Hello, we're the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'll be joined by one of my fellow pros to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Occasionally, we'll be bringing on some special guests for bonus episodes. You can find all the latest episodes and keep in touch with us at adpr.co.uk or find us on all the socials. You can find the handles in our bio. So grab your cuppa and join us and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. And welcome to the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and every week I'm joined by one of my colleagues to pick apart various PR and marketing topics. We demystify the jargon and we give you practical tips that you can apply to your own business. This week I'm joined by Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hello. And we're going to be discussing internal communications. So we're going to look at what an internal communication strategy is, why it arguably it's even more important than your external communications, uh, why every successful company needs to have an internal communication strategy in place, some of the pitfalls of not having one in place, and then, of course, some top tips for you that you can take away and create your own internal communication strategy for your business. So uh, where we will start, Sophie, I think is um, most businesses have um, an external communications plan in place, don't they? But not necessarily an internal one. What what would you say to what would you say to that? Yeah, I think that it's really um, common, actually, you know, and in quite some big businesses as, as well as smaller ones, that the focus gets put on external marketing and and sort of the in your internal activity with your staff gets forgotten about. So I think one good thing, hopefully, to come out of um, the COVID pandemic is that hopefully businesses realise that their their staff are really important audience because if your staff aren't on board, then they won't be delivering a great service for your customers. So that's why it's you know it's really so important to. To, to get them engaged with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure how many businesses listening today will be able to, to say that they feel every single person within their organization really understands the company's purpose and vision and, and knows exactly what the company's aiming for. But that's the sort of level of engagement that I think we'd like to see, you know, in an ideal world across all the businesses that we work with. Because we want to be able to feel that our workforces are 100% engaged and motivated at work. Um, so I think you know that that's what we're that would be the gold standard, if you like, of what we're aiming to get towards. Yeah, and it can have a real impact. And we'll go into a few examples, won't we? Or a good example of um, where it can go wrong if you don't have people fully engaged at work. Um, and there's a whole other um, potential topic around that we won't go into now about about where internal communication sits because it's such a blend of. Um, marketing and HR and leadership and you know all of those different various parts of your business need to work together don't they to make sure that your workforce is 100% engaged and you know really motivated at work and then that starts to impact your external reputation doesn't it 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that, it, as you say, it does sit across so many different elements of the business. And, and that's why it's important that it is looked at, you know, as a senior manager board level issue so that it can be cascaded across all the relevant departments because you want to get buy-in from all elements of your business. But you also want to make sure that the strategy is being delivered by people from, from across the, the company and you're getting insights from everybody so that you can really ensure that the, the activity you're going to put in place can is going to deliver what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. And there are, I mean, there are some pretty compelling stats um, that can show you that organisations aren't placing enough emphasis on managing their reputation from, you know, we always talk about it, don't we, from building from the inside out until you've got a very strong core. Um, it's it's very difficult to have a very strong external communication and, and reputation too. You know, the number one reason that people say they leave their jobs is because they don't feel appreciated. So I think that as a statistic is, you know, compelling mm. on, on its own, really, that, you know, when we want to keep our staff, you know, we invest in them and, and you know, they, they're a good representation of our brand. And we don't want to you know, invest that time in them and then for them to, to leave us unnecessarily just because they don't feel appreciated when that's something that all businesses, no matter what size you are, is able to is able to show. Yeah, and you can fix that. It's very easily fixed, isn't it? There are so many um, potential issues with internal communications and with the workforce that is just getting your communications right. And um, it's very fixable, isn't it, for, as you say, no matter how big or small your company is. Yeah, exactly. And I think hopefully we'll be able to show that in today's podcast that you don't have to be a big business with big budgets to really make an impact on improving your internal communications and that it's not something that should just be the reserve of, of big organizations. And actually small companies you know, need to work on their internal communications just as much as large ones, but that actually they'll be able to make a difference and, and see improvements really quite quickly with some, as we've been talking about, you know, some quite quick wins. Mm-hmm. And I think we we were talking about uh, before recording, weren't we, Sophie? We were saying that we we want to use some examples of where it might have gone wrong for hmm. companies and where it might have gone right. Um, and there are unfortunately quite a few to pick from, aren't they? I think yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> we have gone. Um, we thought there was an example with Domino's, wasn't there? Hmm. That was quite relevant. Do you want to talk us through that a little? Yeah, so this is um, from a few years ago now, but I think we thought it'd be quite a good example because I think you, all the businesses listening to this podcast will be able to relate. Um, essentially, what happened was two Domino's employees thought it would be quite funny to upload a video of them messing around at work on YouTube. So the video shows one of the workers putting cheese up his nose before putting it onto the pizza. He shows him <laughs> spitting on the food and then gloating that the food was just about to be delivered to a customer and then the film ended with the employee saying this is how we roll at Domino's oh just terrible awful <laughs> yeah absolutely awful and the result I don't know why I'm laughing it's terrible it's terrible it's an awful thing it's all it is awful but it is funny and obviously that's why they that's why they yeah. did it but yeah. from a brand perspective you know it, it doesn't get much worse does it no. and you know the results of their stupidity was hugely damaging to the brand I mean not surprisingly the video received over a million views um that happened very quickly 
um, before it got taken down. You know, the story was trending on Twitter and brand sentiment changed about Domino's from positive to negative just within one week. And even when you were Googling searches for Domino's pizzas, the news on page one was all dominated by this, not by any of the either mm-hmm. positive stories or about the fact that you could actually order order a pizza. Um, and a survey actually showed that 65% of people said they would be less likely to visit Domino's as a result of the video. I mean, the employees were sacked and they faced legal ch- charges, but, you know, the damage to the brand and the reputation and the trust, essentially, of Domino's w- was done. Mm-hmm. And, it's and you know, we, we were saying it's one of those, I'm sure those, individuals involved that wasn't their intention they didn't you know that's not what they wanted and they didn't expect that video to go viral and cause the damage that it did but um you know it it goes to show that actually if they had maybe been a little bit more educated on um the brand and uh, the company and felt um a little bit more engaged with their role that they wouldn't have done that in the first place and they yeah, certainly exactly. wouldn't have posted anything yeah because you'd, you'd you'd like to think that your staff would feel pride in in the company they work for and wouldn't want to to put up a video like that so I think it's a great example of how your staff you know when going rogue can really actually be quite damaging you know they are both your biggest asset and your biggest liability aren't they? So wouldn't you rather have them, you know, advocating for your brand rather than working against you when they can be so, so damaging? Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly it. And as you've touched upon there, as you, you know, you want them to be advocates of your brand. You want them to be um, going out there and telling all their friends and family and colleagues and potential customers how great you are and how much they love working for you. Um, And, you know, then that in itself does does great things externally for your company. Absolutely, and, yeah. And, you know, on the on the flip side, there are some good examples out there, aren't there? And it's, oh, um, definitely, yeah. And it's, and as what you touched upon earlier as well, Sophie, is it doesn't have to be huge budgets and huge big changes and ideas, does it, to make a, a difference? No, not at all. So, I mean, the example we're going to talk about is a big company, but I think why we picked this example is just because, although it is a big brand, it's Waitrose, the, all, all they did, you know, could actually be done by, by a business of any size. And so this is actually an award-winning campaign for Waitrose, and it's really simple. And I think this is why it probably won so many awards, just because of its simplicity. So they, they launched a digital suggestion box. So nothing groundbreaking in that, really. Um, But the fact is they they didn't have one before and now they could. And what that meant was that, you know, their team of more than 60,000 staff now had easy access to be able to give their suggestions about how this customer and staff experience could be improved. And there was a campaign that went alongside it where Waitrose was encouraging staff to get involved and to put suggestions forward, you know, to use the digital suggestion box. And the, the results really are quite staggering. You know, it boosted employee engagement. 
as well as making day-to-day operations more efficient. The company's customer satisfaction scores increased, and it generated more than 4,000 innovative ideas. 20% have been implemented back into the business. So, you know, something that's really quite straightforward and easy for everyone to implement just goes to show that it can have big, long-lasting and and impactful change on the business. And and the good thing about this is, you know, it's not expensive to implement, so any business listening today could could do this. But what it does demonstrate is the power of listening to your team and Mm. really showing your employees that that they're valued and and how much that can have a difference both to the bottom line of of your organisation, but also to, to encouraging people to stay, you know, for staff retention and encouraging people to feel good about the brand because they're being listened to. Yeah, and that's, I don't think we can emphasize that enough, can we? So much of it is about listening. Yeah. Um, internal communications isn't a one way channel. It's not, it's, I think um, many companies fall into the trap of just pushing out communications to their, to their um, workforce, to their business. Um, and they, they don't actually take the time to sit back and, and listen to the team who quite often are on the front line, aren't they? They're the ones that are dealing with customers on a day-to-day basis and and know your business, you know. Ex- exactly. Well. And <laughs> I was going to say better than you do, but I... I, I is that going too far? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this, there's this good um, Steve Jobs quote, I think, actually, which goes with this quite nicely, which is, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. And I think that is so, so right. It's about trusting your staff, you know, to do the job that you've employed them to do. And with the Waitrose staff suggestion box, it just goes to show that, you know, the people doing the job, you know, as you say, on the front line or working with customers, they're the best people to solve the problems rather than it being solved by, you know, an external consultant or from a department that isn't actually facing those problems on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I think we can all agree, can't we, in any role you're in, we we want to be listened to. It doesn't matter what what role you're in and what um, industry you work within. You want to feel respected and valued. And, and so much of that just comes down to listening and um, taking action as well. So it actually becomes a very um, authentic yeah, definitely. And I also think that, that that having that is what gives you meaning, isn't it? And that's really why people go to work, isn't it? They want to know that what they're doing is meaningful. And this is a way of really demonstrating that it is. So for those listening, I think there's a few things you can look at to actually gauge whether or not your team are engaged or not. Um, and that comes down to some quite sim- a few simple points, doesn't it? So, if there's, for example, increased employee turnover, mm. um, potentially customer service levels are decreasing, and motivation can be quite low, um, absenteeism rates can be high. Perhaps there's, or you can see there's a lack of knowledge within your team. That can be because they're not feeling very engaged. Um, And of course, that can have quite costly mistakes for your business. And there's a general lack of team participation in in your business and and what you're doing. Um, All of these uh, are key sort of things to recognise if if your team isn't particularly engaged. But the good news is that um, employee engagement and increasing employee engagement is one of the simplest fixes you can make to your business. Um, 
which is we've we've already mentioned, and that's what we'll um, go through with some uh, top tips on how to implement these very small changes to make a big impact. So where can people, where do they begin, Sophie, if there's somebody um, who's recognised some of listening, that's recognised some of those points and thought, actually, um, that sounds a little bit like my business at the moment. Where, where do they start? Yeah, so I think it's the, the good place to start is to understand that the core purpose of internal comms is to identify and share the company goals so that your staff know what they're working towards. This ties back to that meaningful aspect that we were talking about, that in order to get the best out of people, they want to know that their job they're doing matters and that it has an impact and it is meaningful. So as with you know all of our advice at ADPR, you know, we always recommend to take some time to plan and, and sort of set the foundations. And only then can you know the right course of action for your internal comm strategy. So the very best place to start is by conducting an audit and to understand exactly where you are now. Um, Because before you implement anything, you need to be able to have a benchmark to understand what it is that you're dealing with, you know, and and how engaged and happy your employees are. Because only once you've got that, do you know what areas might need to be changed and and what things you need to implement because what are the things that matter to your staff so conducting an audit and you know the only way to to do that is to ask your employees Um, and we do that by using a third-party platform to conduct an anonymous survey Mm -hmm. because we've just found that otherwise um, staff might not they might tell you what you want to hear rather than Mm. really what the actual truth of how they're feeling so we would recommend using some sort of external delivery partner to to help with getting that feedback but that is your that is your sort of ground zero step if if you like to really know exactly what the situation is as it stands so once you've done your audit then the there are sort of six key areas to look at really Uh, the first one is is why okay so what is the overall business or, or project goal what is the current situation and what needs improving so you can fill out all that information based on your feedback you've got from your audit you do initially the next uh, next bit to look at is who okay so this is the who is this specific bit of communication aimed at and what is it that you want them to do or feel differently as a result so know what thing you want to impact and that could be you know that can be as simple as quite often there are businesses and you have um, different departments don't you and it might be that there's one department and from your audit you can see one department is very disengaged compared to others and then that's where you can focus your attentions can't you so it's absolutely yeah and this is the thing it's not about doing everything because obviously your audit is going to probably bring back you know more issues than you can cope with you know in one go so this is just about looking at what things you know to prioritize so yeah. that you know where to spend your spend your your initial efforts but you can look at you know your internal comms activity you know over the course of 12 months and I'm sure within that period you'll be able to address you know most of the, the issues that came that come up so the next um, point is just what so this is what are you actually asking people to engage with and why should they care and I think that is really something that we've found businesses don't often focus on is the 
we need to, businesses need to address why it matters to that particular member of staff. And mm-hmm. if you're not addressing that, then you're not going to be able to get that engagement. We really need to give give the staff exactly the information they need to know because of how it affects them in their role. And that information often isn't given to them. You know, they're told something they don't really get what it means for them or, mm-hmm. or why it matters to them. So I think that really is a key point to think about it from that particular audience perspective you know why should they care about this yeah now and a really important point because that again goes back to it's almost goes back to listening again doesn't it it's rather than um being dictated to from someone more senior um it's sort of understanding why they why they should care and what matters most to them and then being able to kind of communicate properly and have that two-way communication with them exactly and then that sort of leads into the next one, which is when, and this is, you know, all about your timing. It, it's so important. Um, you need to be mindful of when you're putting the communications out, are there other messages or events going on at the same time that are going to overshadow what you're saying? Do you need to communicate something urgently or perhaps can it wait till there's a better time? So, yeah, always think about your timings and, and how it fits into the to the bigger picture. Because the most important thing is you want your message to land positively and with mm-hmm. the impact that you want it to have. So the timing does matter and it should be considered. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the next point is how. So what channels will work best for the content and the audience that you have in, in mind? Now, hopefully from your audit, you'll have got a good indication from your staff about which channels are going to be most effective for them. You know, for example, if you've got a staff full of factory workers sending them an email when they don't necessarily have access to computers all day every day is probably not not the best method of communication so think about which channels work best for your particular members of staff mm-hmm. um, and also for the you know what's going to work best for the for the content and then the next the sort of last point is what does success look like and this is just so important to think about because as we know what gets measured gets done so work out what it is you need to measure and how you'll go about it and hopefully your audit can provide you with some benchmark data that you can then compare against to show how far you've improved right thank you and and we'll go into each of those in a little bit more detail won't we so it's a, yes. the um as you say the what channels to use what kind of content to um push out to them and and how you develop that um and a lot of this boils down to and we we debated this a little bit as well didn't we how far can we go into um on the subject of purpose within this episode because purpose is so important but it's a huge subject so we are um we will have a separate episode on it but um purpose is really the you know why behind your business isn't it it's the real reason that you exist um why people are there doing their job and um what you know what it's it's as you mentioned earlier so if it's the why should they care mm. um and that is one of the the key things you will be communicating to your staff I won't go any further into it than that because we said we wouldn't, but um, it's, we will have a separate session on it because that is um, quite a big subject and you kind of really want to have your um, workforce engaged with your purpose. Um, yeah. But once, 
once um, you do understand your purpose and you're ready to go, and as you say, I think you've already talked about an audit, so knowing where to, what your benchmark is, where the issues are, um, and you can start having a look at um, what elements you want to change. The next thing is developing those SMART objectives, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And these are the same SMART objectives, you know, that you might have for any element of your business but it's just these are related to your internal communications um, and your audit as you as you say will you know should be easily able to show you where those improvements need to be made and then I'd recommend that that's where you start in terms of coming up with your objectives you know which of these areas meet do we need to change what do we need to move the dial on so that, that's what's important in your smart objectives so we'll just do a quick recap of what, of what smart is it, it just means they should be specific measurable, acceptable or attainable, realistic and time bound. And the reason that smart objectives are so important is because it's what makes your measurement really, really clear. If you've got good solid objectives, then you'll be able to know if you've done what you needed to do or not. So it it will show how successful your internal communications campaign was. Mm -hmm. And it's really, again, we've talked about it before, haven't we? But it's so important to set and these and think about measurement right at the beginning, isn't it? So that you, yeah. from the start, you know what you're measuring and you know what success looks like for you. Um, and you can go back and make sure that you're doing all the right things with your internal communications. Um, and so once you've set those SMART objectives, um, just as with an external communications campaign, you need to look at your audience, don't you? But not in a... <laughs> In the same way as with an external communications campaign, your audience isn't necessarily everyone or, you know, you need to prioritise, don't you? Yeah, and I think this is something that we see quite a lot when we're working with businesses, actually, is that almost the the staff or your employee, employee comms all get lumped in together with one, you know, but as you say, with any marketing communications you should never take a one-size-fits-all approach and even Mm -hmm. if you've got quite a small team you know your staff will all be different so you know whether your organization is is large or small the chances are that not every bit of information you convey to your employees is going to be of interest equally or 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 matter equally and the problem that you could run into is that People might feel bombarded with information that isn't relevant to them, what's not important. And then they may switch off from all your company communications because they don't see the value to them and their role. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to be targeted with your communication, work out exactly who it is that that it is you're speaking to. And just like with external communications, how you choose to segment your audience is is completely up to you. Um, Hopefully, the audit will present some clear themes that can help you work it out. You know, some classic examples would be you could split your audience by location. So maybe you've got teams that are working at at different sites. You could do it that way. You could do it by department or you could do it by job role. That's just some very basic examples. You know, you can really segment your audience in in, in any way that, that you wish, just as you would with your external communications. And then obviously, with that in mind, there will be some information that does need to be company wide. So it's just it's it's about mapping out which bits of information need to go to who and what needs to go to everybody. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us on to our next point, doesn't it? Which is sort of defining the messages 
and the information that you want to communicate to each of those different groups. Because um, yeah. then, as you've rightly said, that it's not necessarily going to be the same, is it? No. So the, the sort of next task you, you need to look at really is how to break down those objectives into relevant messages for each of the audiences. Um, we spoke a little bit earlier about prioritising, and I think that's where this comes into its own, really, where you need to start with your audiences that are the highest priority. So perhaps something that's come out of your audit that is a really critical issue that you need to get sorted, you know, focus on that one and define the messages coming out of your objectives that you need to make sure is getting across to this group and, and, and how you want that change to be effective. I think it's important to remember that your messages should be relevant and appropriate to the audience. And, you know, the way you speak to your audience groups might be different. You know, you might know that some of your staff need to be spoken to perhaps in a much more forthright way and others need to be a bit more gentle maybe with with the way your messages Mm -hmm. are being delivered. So I think don't be worried about changing your messages as long as overall there's a continuity I don't think it matters if the specific way it's delivered is different depending mm-hmm. on the target audience in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and as you say, there's there's always going to be key messaging that is consistent across all that talks about um, who you are as a as a business and as a brand. But everybody receives um, information in different ways, don't they? And as you say, it the, the information they need to know is different too. So it's is really important yeah. that that you bear that in mind. Exactly. And this ties back to that earlier point we were talking about, Jenny, where it's that thing about why does this person need to know this particular bit of information? You know, make it relevant for them. And that's why, of course, your messages aren't going to be the same because it's going to be different depending on the the role that that person has within your organisation. So that's where this personalisation element really comes Mm -hmm. into its own, into this, you know, this bit about defining the messages and the information that you want to communicate to to each group really does need to be tailored to, to quite a high level of detail. Yeah, and I definitely know from our work that we've done um, for clients before where for something as simple as a newsletter that's just kept the same across the board, there's, um, you know, feedback from staff members has been, I just, I don't read it anymore because it most of the time it isn't relevant for me. Yeah. And, if, you know, so there are nuggets of information in there that they want to know, but because everything else is irrelevant, they've completely switched off from it. Um, yeah. And, and as you've rightly said as well maybe the tone of voice isn't right for their particular job role and they really pick up on that so um in the end it's although at the front end it can seem like a lot of work can't it to say you need to segment everything and everything needs to be different and tailored but actually that is just some work slightly up front isn't it and then it it reaps the benefits later on when everyone's feeling really really engaged and actually Um, consumes the information that you're offering them yeah exactly and that's the thing you know it'd be a waste of time if if you spent you know some effort doing just more generic messaging and nobody listened to it better to put in a little bit more work at the you know at the front end as you as you say and then for it actually to to deliver on what you need it to because then it's you know it's a good investment that way and I'm I'm hoping that all businesses now will recognize the importance of investing in their staff because you know you really don't have a business without without your staff yeah and and that 
then comes down to, as I know you briefly mentioned it um, earlier as well, Sophie, is the um, the channels, kind of what channels you use. And by channels, you know, we are going into our marketing speak with channels slightly, but we're talking about the ways people are consuming, what platforms they use or what they're reading, aren't we? So yeah, exactly. how you reach them. Exactly. So, yeah, channels is a little bit of a marketing buzzword. So apologies for that. But, yeah, essentially, it's just the, the, the method of communication. Um, I think number one tip is don't try to use too many. So mm-hmm. that may sound a little bit contradictory because we've said about everything being really tailored and bespoke. But, you know, we'd probably recommend two to three options that work across most of your staff, unless you're operating a really large business, in which case, you know, you may be looking at many more than that. But better if you've got, say, a, a small company with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people or something like that, you know, probably better to choose two to three options that work for most people and execute them really well, rather than trying to do, say, 10 or 12 different methods and not actually doing any of them particularly well. So some of the more typical examples of channels is, is the first one is newsletters, which you've already mentioned, Jenny. Mm-hmm. It's a you know, highly effective way to communicate with a lot of people. It's really easy to embed lots of different types of content. Where it's a little bit more tricky is if you've got some stuff that aren't office-based and some stuff that are, because then you're probably looking at a mixture of printed versions and digital versions. But newsletters generally are a good way of keeping people in touch with the key messages. Um, Clearly, you can't be overly uh, targeted or tailored in a newsletter because you don't really want to be doing lots of different versions of the newsletter, although that would, you know, is an option if you've particularly Mm -hmm. got a large, large team. So um, it'd be good for more generic content, but it's probably not going to be be your only method, if you like, for communications. Another option is to have blogs on an intranet. Um, You know, this is a good way to actually get your staff involved because they you know they'll be they could be writing them and they're often the ones who know the business the best so asking them to contribute their expertise and share learnings internally you know can really be a great way to to help them feel valued video i mean each business is different but i know that some survey recently has shown that 48% of workers consider video to be the most engaging form of communication. And with this, we're not talking about a 10 or 15 minute video, but, you know, like Mm -hmm. one minute, two minutes max videos with subtitles, you know, really, really great way to communicate with a lot of different people, but in a very personalized way that really shows how the organization is taking something. So I'd really thoroughly recommend video, particularly for any important CEO announcements or anything like that. I think especially in this COVID time, if we can't do things like town hall meetings in place with people, then I really think doing a, you know, a quite a personalized video can help to bridge that gap across the airwaves, if you like, where we can't see people face to face at the moment. So I'd really recommend video. Yeah, and that's a, 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 a good point there as well, because quite often, the, and the bigger you get as a company, um, the more sometimes people can feel removed from that mm. very senior management. And that is a simple way to do it, is it? A simple way to give visibility to a chief exec who hasn't got time to see absolutely every single person within the company and doesn't have that face-to-face time. It's a really simple way to do it, isn't it? And for people to feel like they are getting that face-to-face time and they are having something um, quite personal delivered to them. Exactly, yeah. And that leads on to the the next 
sort of option really which is video conferencing I mean I know we're all doing a lot more of this now anyway since the pandemic but um, there's an organization that we work with which has got around 300 members of staff and they had everybody working from home during the peak of the pandemic and something that they implemented was a weekly video conference with the CEO and that is something that even now when they've got a bit more of a hybrid version working where they've got some people in the office and some people at home still they're still maintaining that weekly video conference because it's a chance for all 300 members of staff if they want to and if it's a good time for them to have a chat with the CEO for an hour which they obviously they didn't get that level of Mm. access previously so that's just something which you know that's a a local business to to us here they've just started implementing they've really seen an improvement in their engagement as a result of doing that so I think yeah, I was just going to say, Jenny, that I think sometimes things that you brought in just to get you through the pandemic, look for things that might be worth keeping. Yeah. And that comes down to, again, doesn't it? That's working because it's, um, just to emphasise again, what we talked about earlier is the listening, people feeling like they're being listened to, they have access to that um, chief exec and they can ask questions and they can share frustrations or share successes. And it's all just about feeling valued again, isn't it? And listened to. Exactly. It's so important. So any way that you can replicate that, you know, we we thoroughly recommend it. Uh, the next uh, channel sort of option at Open to you really is an intranet. Now, lo- lots of companies have them. I know that there's varying degrees of, of success with them. I think it's worth noting that some a study I looked at showed that on average, only 13% of users ever look at their company intranet. So I'd say just because you have it, doesn't necessarily mean it's working mm. or that people are using it. Personally, I think that the intranet, there could, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's just maybe tailoring the content so that it is relevant to your audience. This is another point we've talked about repeatedly so far. Mm-hmm. So I think probably don't give up on your intranet, but maybe look at it if you're not getting the engagement that, that you think, because there could be some tweaks that you need to be making to the content that you're putting out on there. Yeah, and that's something you can find out again from your audit, isn't it? Is you include you, you know, you include questions around your channels and how people are using it at the moment and you know whether they find it valuable, because that's what it comes down to as well, doesn't it? Is it valuable and applicable to their roles? Exactly. Or do they or do they find it a burden? Yeah. And why it's, do they find it a burden? So it's it's finding that out sorry I keep talking you over you so that's okay I was just going to say yeah and it's it's just like with anything that we've been talking about you know you do need you need to understand why before you can look at solutions so I think taking that time to do that initial research piece really you know does Mm -hmm. can make the difference between whether it's a successful internal communications campaign or not yeah coming on from internet is a mobile app we've seen a lot of success here with staff that have got that are remote or that don't have particularly, you know, they don't go into an office regularly. So mobile apps could be really good if you've got a work, a really disparate workforce that isn't able to meet up regularly or doesn't have a, a an office base to, to work from. Mm-hmm. So then there's lots of opportunities with a mobile app to make it really personalized. So that can help in terms of that channel selection and messaging that piece that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Um, other options for you are to have, you know, a chat forum that can work quite well. We've got um, clients that like to use Chatter on Salesforce for this. I mean, obviously now lots of people are using uh, Teams as well. Mm-hmm. And there's, of course, Slack. So there's you know, lots of different options open to you. But having some sort of chat forum c- could could work. Also, we've talked about surveys. They're, they're fundamental. Please do them, everybody listening. <laughs> um, podcasts. We've seen a few more companies starting to do this, but it can work well if you've particularly got quite a large number of, of staff. Um, but it could be it could be a good way to, to make sure people are getting the information that you want, but in a really entertaining and informative way. Now we're going to go from podcast right step right back in time to signage and printed materials. <laughs> but what I mean by that is yes, it's yes, it's kind of retro and kind of old school, but it really still has its place, particularly if you've got a workforce that isn't online all the time, can be really effective to, you know, don't underestimate the impact of having an, you know, some nicely designed creative out on the, you know, in the staff room or in a in a communal place mm-hmm. that all your team get to see. Yeah, don't just discount it. But saying that what you could do a more modern version which we've seen is um having tv screens with with videos with sub- subtitles played you know in mm-hmm. particular you've got working in factory or something that that can work quite well uh, social media so again a lot of businesses we work with have specific social media channels private ones that are just for internal communications that can work really well as can groups like whatsapp Again, it just comes down to making sure you're using the channels and the platforms that your your staff are already on. You don't really want them to have to, to, to start using something that they're not already. And, you know, finally, don't forget the importance of recognition and rewards. So things like, you know, uh, employee of the month or having an annual awards where people get to celebrate the successes of their teams, things like that, re- you know, they're so important to making people feel valued. Yeah, they are. And it's and as you say, it's um it's all just further recognition, isn't it? And and really upping the morale. And 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 that I think is it needs to feel genuine again, doesn't it? And it's well, if you've got everything working together and people feel like they're listened to and the communications are tailored to them, um, then it all works together to make them feel very valued. There's awards kind of at the cherry on top. Exactly. And also think I think it's quite nice when companies do on the spot awards as well. That was always quite nice. You know, so just one person's done maybe a really amazing piece of work this week. You know, maybe they get, you know, a voucher or, or some sort of nice thank you gift mm-hmm. that was completely unexpected. I think it doesn't always have to be these big grand gestures or tied to a big, you know, annual award ceremony. It can also be just smaller things, you know, a, a little note here and there. You know, the value of a manager saying thank you for a job well done, you know, is is it's not used enough, but can really have a bigger impact on how your staff are feeling about working with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then in terms of the type of content that works and the type of content that you use across those various different um, channels and platforms, um, what is the best way for people to, to know what to be doing? I mean, we've talked about a few different things, haven't we, sort of video and text and chat but you know how do they know what is the best type of content to use yeah so this really comes back to that point at the beginning about knowing and understanding your audience and what it is that they need to engage 
Um, so I think be led by your research, be led by your audit findings in order to understand how people want to receive the information you're providing and how they want to engage with you. I think for each bit of communication, you should ask yourself, you know, what goal is this helping me to achieve? You know, you want each piece of communication to have an impact. So you want mm. your, you know, you want your staff to either take action or to think or feel something. So start by knowing what that is, and then you can pick the right piece of content to, to help you do that. And it stops you as well, just pushing things out for the sake of it, doesn't it? Where where we talked about people feeling bombarded. If you know that each piece of communication has a specific goal, then, you know, you know that there's a reason for you doing it, don't you? And you're not just, you're not just doing it for the sake, you're not just thinking, we've really got to push something out this week. So yeah. And I really think it's important not to always think about how you want to receive information. This is why it comes back to being led by your audit findings. Because, you know, for example, I, I personally prefer to read information, but I know a lot of people that don't find that helpful at all and just wouldn't read, you know, a, a quite lengthy piece of text. They would rather have a one minute video instead, mm-hmm. or they'd rather listen to a, an audio version of it, you know, on a podcast. So I think don't just think that because you like to receive information a certain way means the whole of your staff also like to receive information in that way. And that's why having that audit data is what can lead you to making informed choices. Mm-hmm. And that goes on to sort of another point as well, doesn't it? And we, do, again, don't want to contradict ourselves. Um, we talk about it being personalised. Um, and yes, keep it varied. But of course, you you will not have the resource to please absolutely everybody. No. But if you're keeping things varied and there are different options of how to yeah. consume that information, you'll catch most people, won't you? Exactly. You know, for example, if you had a, a really important CEO statement, um, you could have a written statement on the internet. You could, which is also emailed to staff. You could have a video version of the CEO talking about it direct to the staff, and you could you could host a, a Q and A session with the CEO on that topic as well. So you know that, that's three different methods of communication covering one topic. So think about what will work, you know. And obviously, not everything you do is going to be worth that sort of investment, but some things that you will do will be so Mm. you know prioritize the stuff that needs to be prioritized but just think about mixing it up because you don't always want to be safe putting out you know emails or always putting out blog posts just keep it keep it varied I think to Mm -hmm. keep people engaged yeah and then I think another point is that we have already talked about, but it's so important, is just to encourage your contrib- encourage contribution back, you know, show that there's a feedback loop and that when you're asking for input, share what those inputs are and show how you're acting on it. And I think that's really mm-hmm. key because it's a way of showing that the staff, you know, what we talk about here, what you say, it does matter because it goes on and then, you know, we've put this in to action as a result of feedback from you. So don't be afraid to to update your staff on changes that you've taken directly as a result of feedback that you've received mm-hmm. and equally it goes the other way doesn't it if it's if there's feedback that's been received and it's not feasible it's not possible for some reason address that too you know and say we you know we have had feedback that we want this particular change 
at the moment it isn't possible for these reasons but you know we thank you for your contribution and we you know we really hope we can solve it in other ways but it's definitely rather than them giving you that feedback and it just you know they never hear anything back yeah it's one of the worst things you can do really isn't it Exactly. You're better off. And I honestly say this to stuck to um, clients when I'm advising them. You're honestly better off not even going there with your internal communications if you're not planning on actually listening and acting on it, because you, you do more damage by saying you're going to and then not than if you just didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So true. <laughs> and um, in terms of practical top tips as well, where we've we've because we've thrown it out there, haven't we, and said there's different content for different audiences and they like things in different ways um a good way to to make it a bit easier for yourself is to create content plans isn't it for each of your audience and sort of map out those pieces of content and schedule them in isn't it yeah and that that's just um it it might sound onerous but honestly it's worth putting the time in because it just really shows it hones your thinking and makes sure that you're going to be much more specific in what you're doing which will result in a better better piece of work so yeah have a specific content plan for each of your audiences and you could just do this by you know having it on excel with a different tab perhaps for each of your audiences and actually you know actually schedule in what what you're going to say so when you're thinking about creating your content start by asking yourself you know these questions so one is this content relevant to my audience okay if it's not relevant Mm -hmm. don't put it in you know we've got to (laughs) you know only speak to you know speak to your audience on things that are relevant to them unless it's something that's really fundamentally important that has to go in your all company communications Mm -hmm. second point does the content link directly to your objectives Again, if it doesn't, don't put it in. What is the only things you want to be doing is activity that is driving you to reach your objectives. So if it doesn't, don't use it. If it does, just make sure it's really delivering on what you need it to. So tie it back to your objectives. The third question I would ask is, am I using the right communication tool to convey my message or is there a better, more effective way? And with this, I would try to park your concerns about time and budget and focus more on what is the most effective way of doing it. Clearly, you know, if it's going to be, you can't afford to do it or you haven't got time to do it, maybe think about doing something different. I would say rather than doing a a bit of a rubbish job just to get it done. So use the right communication tool to convey that message Mm -hmm. as far as you can with your time and budget constraints. Mm -hmm. And then fundamentally, and this needs to come into all of your activity, but what do I want my audience to do as a result of this? If you're not telling them, then it's a waste of communication. You're better off not doing it. Always think about what is it that I'm trying to achieve? Do I want them to change something? Do I want them to feel something? What Focus on what you want your audience to do as a result of having that piece of communications in the most effective format that it works for them. Mm-hmm. And that, and they're just really nice. You can have that as a checklist, can't you, for yourself that you can just tick off and it makes it really um, easy to know, as you say, that that piece of content is um, relevant and it's going to do what you want it to do rather than be sort of the spam that people feel they're receiving constantly. Exactly. 
Finally, we and we talk about this um, a lot across any kind of communications that you're doing, whether it's internal or external, is um, it's it's never over, is it? There's, there's always a moving, breathing animal that you need to revisit. So once you have your internal communications, you need to be committed to it mm. and you need to see it through, but it doesn't, um, it's not static, is it? It, it always moves. No. This is it. And that's why things like doing your audit, hopefully that would just be the start for you. For example, at ADPR, we conduct a a staff survey every 90 days. And we've just found that by doing that, you're able to keep much more in tune with how your staff are feeling. So I think, yes, do your audit initially, but don't think of it as one and done or even don't think of it as an annual thing. I I think the days of an, the value of an annual survey from an internal comms perspective are really quite limited because people, the way people feel changes so quickly. I mean, for example, Mm -hmm. over the pandemic, it would have, how pointless would it have been to do a staff survey in January, 2020, and then a staff survey in January, 2021. I mean, literally the whole world changed in that one year. So I think that, I think if you're doing an annual survey, really try and push to increase it to 90 days because and and do you know do a shorter survey. You know, these pulse surveys are, are much more effective. You ask fewer questions, but you ask more regularly. And I think that would be the my, that's absolutely my recommendation in terms of, of, of how to how much to survey your staff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just you know, without wanting to use a slight scare tactic, but if you think about the damage that could be done within a year from oh, a disgruntled absolutely. member of staff where we talked about dominoes earlier. Yeah. I mean, it it takes minutes for something to get destroyed. So it's better to always have your finger on the pulse and know um, how your staff are feeling. And if you need to change tact a little bit, you know, you want to be kind of as agile as you can be really, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I think key takeaways, key takeaways, um, to give you is uh, always always lead by example. So um, we spoke earlier about how, how you need to have senior management teams and senior management on board for an internal communications strategy because all of that workforce are looking towards that senior leadership for um, to, to lead by example. So that is always something we would say. The next is be authentic. Um, you know, everyone can see right through it if it's not, if it isn't genuine, if it isn't authentic. And that's why you do need to do those audits and make sure that everything you're doing is at, um, you know, your workforce's best interest and your company's best interest. And, you know, when you know that and where you know where you stand, you can be genuinely authentic in all of your communications. Um, Another key takeaway would be to communicate clearly um, very clearly so people know ex- exactly what action they should be taking or, you know, you do get them to feel that particular thing you want to feel. And that, again, comes down to knowing um, from your objectives what you're trying to achieve um, and how you're trying to achieve them. And then finally, without wanting to sound like a broken record, um, is listen, listen, listen. It is such an important point to make for internal communications is that, um, it's not just about pushing out communications to a company and to your workforce. It is about listening to them, um, making sure that they know they do have a voice. They have a voice within your company and they can 
have an opinion, they can give feedback and it will be listened to and it will be actioned if it's um, feasible to do so. So that is such an important point to remember for any communication campaign. Um, and that is that is it from us on internal communications. It was um, a nice broad view of it. I do know we will be delving deeper into these topics a little bit more in our next series. Um, in the meantime, we do have a blog on internal communications and how to build up your strategy and um, that you might want to check out on our website, which is www.adpr.co.uk. Um, we do also have a downloadable strategy template, um, which you can populate and can help you to really structure your strategy. So it's well worth taking a look at that. Please do get in touch with us um, with any questions you have, um, either about internal communications or any communications topic at all. And if there's anything you want to, us to cover on the podcast, again, please do get in touch with us via the website or via our various social media channels. Um, but in the meantime, that is us done for now and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.